The midterm elections are over and the results are in, but what does it all mean for the folks living in Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley? We're going to talk about those results and a lot more on today's Know the News podcast. Hello, my name is Rusty Turner and I'm your host today. This week's general election held only a few surprises, but that doesn't mean that big changes aren't in store on the local political scene. I'm joined today by our politics reporter, Doug Thompson, and our editorial page editor, Greg Harton, to talk about it all. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. We have survived. (laughs) We have. We have. (laughs) So uh, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but let's just acknowledge some things within the statewide uh, races for the constitutional offices uh, there were no surprises uh, in the selections of the four members of Congress uh, and, and our, our U.S. Senator, uh, all four of the incumbents won, uh, despite the redrawing of districts. They all won handily, and of course, uh, Senator Bozeman also won uh, quite handily in his race. Uh, the news is not necessarily a surprise, but uh, Arkansas has elected its first woman as a governor, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, uh, will be our next governor, um, daughter of... Um, Mike Huckabee, a former governor, and also uh, the other uh, the other six constitutional offices also went to Republicans. So, mm-hmm. so none of that's a surprise to any of us. No. Uh, for example, uh, you, you mentioned the congressional races. Arkansas has the largest congressional delegation in the country that's completely Republican. Both senators, four members of the House. Yeah, it's a red state. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty deeply read by the by the looks pretty of the uh, by, by the looks of the results. I don't think any of them, any of the statewide candidates or the congressional candidates, got less than sixty-two or sixty-three percent of the vote. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And uh, you know, there was there was some talk mm-hmm. uh, early on that perhaps uh, Chris Jones, the Democrat uh, running for uh, for governor against Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, might outperform Democrats. Uh, he seemed to be a really uh, attractive candidate, very, uh, very smart, great resume. Uh, so there was some discussion early on that he might do a little better than Democrats have done, but he barely got over 35% of the vote. And that shows that the, the candidate quality was not a problem for, I, for, for, for him at all. And the fact that he got only 30, 35% of the vote shows how strong the, the uh, Republican uh, dominance of politics in Arkansas is. That's right. Now, there were, and from my point of view, a mm-hmm. couple of surprises in the statewide vote on the four uh, uh, the four uh, proposals that uh, that that went before the state voters. Uh, uh, issue one was uh, was all four of them went down. All yeah. four of them lost, uh, yeah. and only one of them was even very close. Yeah. Uh, and that was That's issue three. And I'll just run over them very quickly so that our, our listeners know what we're talking about. Issue one would have allowed the state legislature to call itself in, into session rather than waiting on the governor to call a special session. Mm-hmm. Uh, issue two would have made it more difficult for initiated acts uh, generated by petition to get on the ballot and then required a 60% majority to mm-hmm. pass any changes like that to pass uh, and, and be approved. Issue three was an addition to the state constitution to guarantee religious freedom, something that's already guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution. And the state constitution. And the state constitution, yeah. And then uh, issue four was the proposed legalization of the use of recreational marijuana in the state. And as I said, 
All four of them went down. All four of them failed. Uh, and the, the, the constitutional amendment about religious freedom uh, was the only one that was even competitive. Yeah, it was even close. Oh, it was been... It, it, the first two especially were perceived as a power grab by the legislature. Uh, we're going to call ourselves in the session, and in addition to that, uh, on, on number two, that that uh, we get to pass things with a simple 50% plus one, but you go, you actual voters themselves have to vote by a six, you know, six out of ten margin, and no, the voters didn't go for either one of those. Uh, I'll put it, th- I'll put it this way. On paper, in the Constitution, the governor of Arkansas is one of the weakest executives of any state in the country. I mean, his veto can be overturned with a simple majority vote. Now, now soon to be her veto. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah. His or her, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But no, all joking aside, yes, that's an important distinction. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, can, can be overturned with a simple majority vote. Uh, one of the few real powers he does have is that the legislature only meets every other year, except for a physical session to do budget fine-tuning. And he is the one, he or she, is the one who can call a special session. And they were going to take that power away. I mean, and it, 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 yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, a reaction to some of the emergency powers the governor exercised during the COVID situation. And frankly, it was an overreaction. The, um, you know, the legislature put those three, those first three on the ballot. Um, and, I, you know, I, I really think, you know, that one of them was to make it harder for the public to get things on the ballot for uh, amending the state constitution. And I think the reaction to these three that, that were placed on the ballot by the legislature shows that the legislature is really out of touch with the Arkansas public when it comes to what they believe you know needs to be on on the ballot as far as constitutional amendments it's it's just you know they really um, as Doug said it was just a big power grab mm-hmm. and I think the public saw it for that and it really amazes me that the legislature felt like the public would buy that. Greg makes uh, an excellent point. Go ahead. Bye. Well, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't in the best interest of the state of Arkansas, and I and I really do think that the the public knew that. And um, uh, you know, when things go to the ballot, you never know what the outcome is going to be. But I I think the public really uh, showed the legislature that uh, you know if you're going to put things on the ballot, you know, put mm-hmm. quality measures on the ballot, not, not this some, stuff. Bears some resemblance to reality. I mean, you know. Well, and I, you know, I think that's an interesting point and, and leads into a discussion of issue four, which was the proposed uh, legalization of recreational marijuana use. Um, you know, one of the things members of the legislature seemed upset about was the fact that the medical marijuana um, uh, amendment passed several years ago and, and medical marijuana was is now available legally in Arkansas. And a, and, and a lot of members of the legislature disapproved of that. Uh, and so I think that was one of the, one of the things that prompted the legislature to, to try to make it more difficult for the public uh, to add something to the ballot. Um, 
but the public, I think, responded um, pretty significantly by defeating issue four, mm-hmm. that this was a bad proposal, and they recognized it as a bad proposal. And I think people, people who even support the concept of legalized uh, recreational use of marijuana didn't like this particular uh, proposal. It, it created it. It created winners and losers. It created. It would have created what amounts to a, a monopoly in some, or almost a monopoly in some. Uh, the irony is that issue four is exactly the thing that issue two was put on the ballot to try and prevent. A well-funded group, you know, amending the Constitution and 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 with quite a complicated amendment. Constitutions ought to be a statement of guiding principles. They shouldn't be a de facto legislation. Well, turns out that the people of Arkansas can tell the difference when they've got a very attractive thing like, you know, recreational marijuana at the top, but the substance of the bill uh, or the substance of the measure is something different. They can tell the difference. They They didn't need issue two, at least not in this case. I think a, a key point, uh, and I think in probably two years we will see a response to this this point, is that the measure did nothing to wipe clean the criminal records of people who have been convicted of marijuana-related offenses. Yeah. And uh, uh, just, you know, from talking to some younger people, uh, you know, people in their 20s, um, you know, that bothered them. They, they just felt sort of like it was just uh, a, a mm-hmm. justice issue uh, as to, uh, you know, if you're going to make this legal, then how in the world should it be that people should have a conviction on their record if you're now making it legal? And so I, I think the, uh, the other folks uh, that uh, were interested but uh, getting recreational marijuana on the ballot but did not get their measure on the ballot this time because they turned their attention to defeating this one, mm-hmm. uh, I, they'll they'll be back and they'll they'll include that uh, in in their measure that uh, we'll see in in probably two years. Opponents yeah. of this measure promised a better yeah. a better uh, option in the next election, and I have every confidence they'll they'll deliver a, a more attractive proposal. I, another I know another element uh, mm-hmm. that that was. Um, uh, cited in this particular proposal that someone you would expect to support the legalization of recreational marijuana um, uh, objected to, and that was the fact that it would not allow someone to grow their own limited amount of marijuana in their homes. In other words, you were, whatever marijuana you used legally, recreationally, mm-hmm. you were going to have to buy from one of the dispensaries. Yeah. Uh, which were the primary funders of the uh, of, of the, the whole of, measure of the yeah. whole measure. So uh, it was, uh, I think it was also a reaction to something that seemed pretty unfair uh, from a from a uh, uh, economic standpoint. Here's how unfair it is. I will forever regret being preoccupied and having another appointment when I had a chance to see David Couch and, and uh, Jerry Cox at the same press <laughs> conference opposing the same yeah. same bill. And if you don't know who those two gentlemen are, look them up because if you talk about the strangest yeah. set of bedfellows I ever saw. Yeah. It was like, yeah. anyway. All right. Well, I just did want to mention, um, you know, we are a stone's throw from the Missouri state line. Mm -hmm. And uh, Missouri uh, handily, I think, passed a um, a, a marijuana amendment. And and I think if Arkansas had had a, uh, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, better 
uh, amendment, um, it, it probably would have passed pretty handily here. Uh, Greg, I know you and I spoke to a number of people prior to the election, and, and everyone we spoke to, uh, uh, these are political leaders, everyone we spoke to expected it to pass. So uh, it, was, it was a surprise to me anyway that it was not only was it defeated, but it was defeated so handily. Mm-hmm. So. Well, um, while we're talking about the state legislature, let's talk, Doug, a little bit about the legislative, the changes coming in the um, legislative caucus that are the, yeah. the, the, the uh, uh, Northwest Arkansas and River Valley caucuses uh, when they go, go down to Little Rock, when the General Assembly convenes in Little Rock uh, in January. Uh, it's going to be a bigger uh, group. One. I'll let you finish. I was going to say, it's going to be both a bigger group because of redistricting and also a redder group, uh, as, as, the, as we have discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Two things. One out of every six members of the Arkansas legislature will come from either Benton or Washington County when they, they live there. Even, even a district, that, that a house district that's split between uh, or straddles the line goes uh, from Washington County down through uh, uh, Crawford County and even into Franklin, the person elected lives uh, in Washington County. So yeah, it's a huge delegation. It is, it is six senators and uh, 16 House members and they are going in there. Um, they're gonna have some pull. More pull than this region's ever ever expected before. And I will also point out that Senator Bart Hester, R. Cave Springs, was elected president of the Senate today, or Thursday. Um, so, yeah, that's a huge thing, and it is redder. And the, the, despite a good, a frankly, a good push by the Democrats up here to try to make some headway. They believe that Northwest Arkansas will follow the pattern of becoming more democratic as it gets larger, more metropolitan. And they keep testing that theory in every election and it hadn't happened yet. They keep pushing this up. Someday maybe they'll be right, but it wasn't this year. Well, and you know, as, as you and I have talked about, you know, all four of the new seats from Northwest Arkansas went to Republicans, including mm-hmm. one district that was said to have been drawn to be a, a, a minority-majority district. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and the Democrats lost, uh, you know, the one, in, the one sitting Democrat was mm-hmm. drawn out of her district, chose not to, to run for re-election, and uh, the, new, the, uh, the Republicans took the, the replacement district. That, that they certainly did. And uh, I'll put it this way, all four members of the uh, Northwest Arkansas delegation uh, who are Democrats live in the city of Fayetteville. That's how tight it's, it has become. And uh, like I said, it wasn't a, can- it wasn't a candidate quality uh, problem for the Democrats. Uh, for the Republicans didn't have a candidate quality problem either. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. And when those two things are equal, it's hard for a Democrat to win up here. You mentioned the uh, primarily Hispanic district, uh, the, the District 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diana Gonzalez-Worthen was an excellent, the Democrat was a, a excellent candidate. She worked very, I know she worked very hard. I know she outspent uh, her Republican opponent, Deanna Hodges. Both are from Springdale. Miss um, Hodges made a very 
who who's been in business and in real estate and, and and such as that made a very simple appeal. He said, "Look, whatever your ethnic background, people in this district want who want a less regulation and to keep more of their money. Uh, they want to hold the line on taxes." And um, the Hispanic vote nationally has been their share that has been more competitive. Uh, the assumption that a majority uh, Hispanic district was going to be Democratic simply isn't proven out here or anywhere else. So that's um, that's not quite, and it was it was fairly close, especially compared to the other races. Yeah. yeah. So. I before we move off the legislature, it seems like we ought to at least mention this uh, from over in uh, Carroll and Madison County. Brian King. Yeah, back. the return of Brian. Yeah. Um, yeah, we ought to mention it, but frankly, that that one's not a big surprise. I mean, it was a it was a Mr. Wallace who ran against Mr. King ran in the last election as a Democratic nom nominee, and he does the Democrats. You know, he gives them an option, but he got like. The same, like thirty-five percent mm -hmm. each time, you know, just yeah. a just a red district. So, and we should mention Brian King was a former state was was a state senator, lost uh, 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 mm -hmm. lost reelection, uh, um, and then came back and ran against the person who beat him, Bob Allinger, and took the seat back. With the significant development that the district boundaries were different. Mm -hmm. This time around, they redrew the U.S. Census. Came in 2020. We always with we redraw the districts to equalize population. It wasn't the same district this time. Yeah. And both men are, are, uh, you know, the Democrat was not going to win that. Mm -hmm. Both men who were the Republicans back in the yeah. primary yeah. are, uh, they're not going to have starkly different uh, policy mm -hmm. uh, sort of approaches. No. But but. But it was a personality kind yeah. of choice. Bit of voters. a grudge match, frankly. It, it, it really was. <laughs> yeah. It really was. But that that was that was decided back in the primary, and and Mr. King, you know, carried on to victory in yeah. the, in the general. Which I, I think everyone expected, fully expected that once the primary was over. One more quick thing about the legislature: there were a lot of women elected this time. That's an excellent point. I think our, our the 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 percentage of women in the mm. legislature has gone up. It's still. Not a particularly large no. percentage, uh, and certainly not reflective of the percentage of women in the overall population. But it, it does seem that more and more women are 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 seeking political office and succeeding in uh, uh, when they run. Yes, they are. Yeah. So. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned uh, the voters in uh, in in that one district in Springdale. Mm -hmm. You know, seemed to the the you know lower taxes mm -hmm. uh, mantra seemed to resonate with them. That also seemed to resonate with all the voters in Benton and Washington counties, uh, as as both counties uh, were faced with with a choice to uh, raise taxes on themselves in order to expand overcrowded jails uh, and build some additional facilities, and both measures failed um, uh, and weren't really very close. The one in Benton County was 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 a was a shellacking. I would I would term it, and the one in Washington County wasn't all that close either, but uh, um, it it was a bit of a bit of a surprise when you consider the the number of elected officials and county leaders in both counties who supported this tax and these program these ta these taxes and these programs for them to lose so significantly. So uh, 
Um, we've got some, we've got a clip here. Greg, you talked to Barry Mooring, uh, county judge in Benton County, who who led the uh, who 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 led the charge to get the, these taxes passed to get the jail expansion done in Benton County. We've got some sound from that interview. We can play that for our listeners now. I think the voters of, of Benton County and, and frankly Northwest Arkansas uh, sent us a very unambiguous message last night, and that is they uh, are not willing. Uh, at this point to pay additional taxes for a jail expansion. And I think as as leaders in our county, uh, we have to respect that. We have to understand why they were telling us that. And and then we have to develop uh, what our options are because uh, regardless of, of what we think about that message, the fact is the, the problem remains and the problem is going to continue to grow. And that is that we have uh, inadequate jail space to accommodate our needs. So if the question is, what do we do next? Well, at least in Benton County, um, you know, I'll get with our other stakeholders, our county attorney, in particular our sheriff, obviously Sheriff Holloway has, has the largest stake in this, and we'll figure out what do we do next to try to accommodate and, and solve the problem. Any solve that we come up with at this point will have to be a significant compromise from what we wanted to accomplish with the facility that was on the ballot. And so we'll have to figure out where those compromises uh, have to exist. And so that'll be a challenge. And and how we proceed after that, you know, you can do a number of things. You can take a look at, at uh, would you bring something else to the ballot? That seems a little far-fetched right now. Or would you look at, um, you know, some sort of incremental step, which we seem to be very good at at the county, is, is incrementalism in terms of solving big problems. And that may be what we have to do next, is look at a dramatically scaled down uh, option for uh, putting some additional space out there to solve our most critical need, which is probably in the misdemeanor space. We really don't have any room for, for misdemeanors, and the, therefore there's really no misdemeanor justice in Benton County, and that might be our most critical need. But really, um, Sheriff Holloway and, and our county prosecutor, we're all going to have to sit down and talk that through. So, and let's talk a little bit, a little bit of detail about the Benton County proposal before we move to Washington County. It was much larger uh, than the uh, than the proposal in Washington County, it was it was more than two hundred million dollars, as I recall, uh, and included, you know, as you know, more than doubling the size of the jail, and also some courtrooms for criminal courts, a uh, new sheriff's office. It was a it was a very very substantial project, and, and it included a, a kind of a mental health facility within the jail, which uh, you know I think people recognize the need for mental health services, but a lot of the reformers who, who fought against both proposals in Benton and Washington County, um, you know, when they talk about mental health, they are talking about it as a diversion from jail, not, not some place within the jail where people with mental health go uh, to be treated as they are inmates. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know how much of the 200 plus million dollars that was, but it, it seems like, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was just, it just added even more to make it seem like a behemoth kind of yeah. project. Yeah. Didn't help. Let's put it that way. Well, and, and, and additionally in Benton County, there was, you know, one of the taxes that was proposed, the, the one eight cent sales tax would have expired once the jail bonds were paid off, uh, once the construction bonds were paid off. And, uh, but an additional quarter cent sales tax would have continued on to fund maintenance and staffing of, of the jail and other law enforcement. And, and both of them failed. I think it was in the 61% against 30, mm -hmm. 40, 39% for range. 
so those were those were big projects. And as you know, as uh, Judge Mooring said, they're going to have to find some compromises and some alternatives because Benton County is uh, its jail. You and I visited there, Greg, not long ago. Uh, extremely crowded. Not as inmates. Yeah. As yes. Yeah. No, no. I said <laughs> visited. Thanks for adding that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, Greg. I said visited, uh, but. Uh, uh, and we weren't visiting Doug while we were there. No, that, no. So, uh, but it's uh, it, it is very overcrowded, and and they do have a significant issue there. And as Judge Mooring said uh, to you, um, there's no misdemeanor justice in Benton County because there's just no room for misdemeanors in the jail. And you know, and that worries them because uh, misdemeanors are where, you know, that's where criminality begins. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say. I mean, you know, uh, people. Some people, you know, commit murder the first time they're in trouble with the law, but a lot of people, you know, start with small stuff, and when they see that they can get away with it, they grow to bigger things. And I think that's one of the concerns about not being able to put misdemeanor uh, folks in, uh, to to have them pay some kind of a price for uh, violating the norms of society, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, that, that the people up there running the criminal justice system feel like that if you don't do that, that, uh, that, you know, it can get out of hand and, uh, you know, we're not going to turn into Little Rock overnight, but, but basically their concern is, is, is they want to keep Northwest Arkansas the kind of place that it is with a, a fairly low crime rate. And, uh, and you don't do that by just making people feel like there's no response to their criminality. I think the reformers, um, well, they haven't mustered enough support to actually, for instance, get a prosecuting attorney elected or, or, or perhaps win a judicial race or something like have successfully raised enough doubt about whether a, a big, bigger, better jail is the way to go that it's not just anti-tax sentiment anymore. I think people are be- really beginning to wonder, huh, maybe we ought to try some of these different things. And, you know, um, like a, a more enlightened, like drug, we, drug court's been very successful and such as that. And there are all other alternatives to the stuff we hadn't tried yet. Well, here's the deal on that. Mm-hmm. You know, the alternatives to a bigger jail are not free. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as we move forward now that we mm-hmm. have gotten a very definitive answer on the jail mm-hmm. situation question is, you know, how are these alternatives going to, you know, come into existence? I mean, there are programs that exist, some diversionary type of programs, mm-hmm. but as the reform advocates have said, it's not enough. It's not, uh, uh, it's not having enough of an impact on the jail population. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's going to happen, um, the, the, the real challenge for that is that it, it's, you know, the sheriff the sheriff is basically there to just receive who's brought the people who are brought to him and mm-hmm. put them in jail and keep them in jail until the mm-hmm. judge says otherwise. And it takes a lot more people. It takes state government, city government, county government mm-hmm. to come up with some kind of a strategy for all of these alternatives. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical that that's going to come together, uh, that, that, we're going to suddenly see this uh, 
outpouring of, of a desire to to fund new programs and all of that. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, but uh, but I don't I, think I, you I, are. I don't think at the quorum court level or, or, or city levels that there's going to be a great. Um, there may be a push by some people, mm. but I just don't know that there's going to be a lot of embracing of that idea to, to come along because there's there's enough other levels of government out there to blame mm-hmm. to say, well, that's their their job, mm-hmm. that everybody kind of gets off the hook. That's going to be an interesting challenge for this big legislative delegation that, we were, that we're sending a little rock. I mean, you know, we have running surpluses and stuff like that. And it's an issue. It's a bigger issue up here, and now it's an urgent issue. We'll see if the new session does anything uh-huh. about it. Speaking of urgent, I think the overcrowding at the Washington County Jail has been even more intense and, 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 a, and, a, and a bigger problem than, than it's been in Benton County. Uh, that, that proposal, which was uh, $115 million or so, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and the tax uh, was just for construction bonds and would have expired um, once the bonds were, were paid off, uh, uh, it was a more modest project. It still would have had almost doubled the size of the jail. Also added some some uh, juvenile courtroom space uh, uh, near the jail and near the juvenile detention center. Um, uh, folks in Washington County um, also said no. So uh, what went wrong there, Greg? Well, I, I spoke to Sheriff Helder earlier today and uh, visited with him about this a little bit, and he. You know, he he felt like it was mostly the tax issue. You know that uh, it's a general election, that people come to the general election. Some of them very familiar with the issues on the ballot. Uh, uh, others may come because they want to vote for certain candidates. And when they get down to those those uh, issues at the bottom, that that's basically they're not as uh, knowledgeable about. And it says we're going to increase your taxes to do this. If they don't have a lot of information about it, they're just going to say no. So he feels like that was kind of at play. I thought it was interesting because he said that he and Jake uh, Cantrell, who is the sheriff-elect and his uh, chief deputy, um, uh, Sheriff Helder said that they had talked early on about how they they wanted, even if it lost, they wanted a decisive vote on this. And I think they got it. I mean, it's, <laughs> I it's, think they got it was a wish. decisive vote that, that jail expansion, or at least this jail expansion, was not what the people wanted. But he wanted that because he said that will help the county leaders. He he won't be one of them because he's retiring at the end of the year. But, but uh, that will help the county leaders to understand that, okay, this is how people feel about this. And, and, and we still have a problem. And it needs to be addressed but uh, we've eliminated one thing, and so now we need to take a look at some other things. And um, but Helder also told me that he's convinced that uh, the the outcome of Tuesday's election will have a negative impact, and uh, we've got a little bit of audio on that too. If we're releasing 400 a month on average now, and we're running around 800. I just got to believe, unless something really out of left field happens, you know, that number is going to increase to 450, to 500, to 600. And I can't imagine that being a good thing for public safety. So, uh, you know, I think the the sheriff was very disappointed, obviously. Um, I I think he really wanted to get this passed before he left office so that 
um, you know, he, he, he kind of felt like this was the one last thing I might be able to solve for the county for the next decade or 20 years. Um, and it just didn't play out that way. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough decision for both counties because um, I, one of the things I, I don't think voters realized, um, you know, for me, I assume that at some time, because of Northwest Arkansas is growing, that at some time in the relative near future, we are going to need expanded jails. And Tuesday's decision essentially says that instead of a $200,000 proposal in Benton County, you mean 200 million, 200 million, I'm sorry, yeah. um, that, you know, five, 10 years from now, that same proposal will not be $200 million. It, it will, you know, it will be much more expensive to build. Uh, uh, they've seen that with what they've done since they opened these two, these two jails, you know, years ago. Well, uh, both of them are 20 years old or more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and were thought to be, you know, 20, 25 year um, projects when they were built. So it's, it's not as though um, uh, they were inadequate to the cause at the time they were built. Yeah. And, and if you, if you wait two, three years on something, every person trying to buy a home or build a home in Northwest Arkansas knows the costs don't go down. And uh, uh, these jails, when we need them, are going to be more expensive for us. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, we've talked, you know, this, this podcast is focusing on local politics and local races, and we're obviously not going to get to all of them. Uh, but there was one local uh, race or one local political uh, 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 issue that came up that did have some national politics involved in it, and I'm talking about the Bentonville School Board. Uh, we had, uh, uh, there, were, there were five contested seats for the Bentonville School Board uh, in the election, and um, in each of those five elections, um, there was a candidate who was supported by an uh, organization called Project 1776, which is a national conservative um, uh, uh, organization that that um, uh, promotes parental rights, uh, promotes guarding against uh, uh, what they find is inappropriate uh, curricula in in the schools, uh, and uh, and so when um, when these five folks file for office, they were supported uh, financially and with mailings by this Project 1776, and uh, this has happened in several places around the country, several school boards around the country, uh, and in Bentonville, um, all but one of them lost. So, uh, Greg, what do you make of, of, of this uh, particular uh, turn of events? You know, school boards, it is not unusual for candidates running for school board to be motivated by a singular, singular event. I mean, that happens all the time. Um, and I, I think, you know, these candidates were very motivated by the covid mask rules um, and and some you know a few other things here and there but um, I, you know it, it is dangerous not to look deeper uh, into candidates who uh, who are so motivated by one or two issues like that I mean and I think voters kind of recognize that up in Benville that uh, uh, you know the the school boards, handle a lot of different issues uh, they and their real job is kind of directing the superintendent uh, uh, and the staff to, to 
you know, provide the best education for the kids. And, um, and that's not dramatic. That's not real sexy in terms of, you know, big news headlines or anything like that. But that's the job. And I think people up there realize, you know, that they did not need to make it kind of a knee-jerk reaction based on, uh, you know, the mask debate, uh, you know, that, that they needed candidates that were that more focused on the overall issue of, of schools and education. Well, I, I think the, these, these um, Project 70, 1776 candidates also, um, uh, one of their talking points was uh, uh, guarding against uh, the teaching of critical race theory in public schools. And, you know, we had a school board meeting just before the election where, where a number of, and this is very unusual, uh, a number of, of, of faculty members, current ex uh, faculty members in Bentville School saying, we don't teach that. That's not, some, that's not an issue in our school district. It is a, a you know, a, and, and just trying to draw attention to the fact that, that, um, that the kind of issues that, that, that seemed important uh, to Project 1776 were not issues in Bentonville. There's a couple of things I want to butt in here and say. Uh, number one on the CRT issue itself. I mean, seriously, I've lived in Arkansas all my life. Okay, okay. How long do you think a teacher at just about any school district in Arkansas would keep his or her job if he was actually teaching CRT in class? I mean, this is ridiculous. Okay, that's the first thing. But the second thing, more relevant thing to the Benville School Board race is I don't think these outside groups help. I happen to live in the uh, district where, where, where David Whitaker, the state representative who's Democrat, bucked the trend and, and you know, he, they, they tried to, you know, unseat him. And there were a couple of, Brian, I want to emphasize here, Brian Hester's campaign had nothing to do with this. This was some independent group that has a branch office in, in Little Rock. Brian Hester being David Whitaker's opponent. David Whitaker's Republican opponent. Right. Sent in a sent out a couple of flyers that were not only fact free but just absolutely spiteful, and I'm sitting here looking at this, thinking, okay, I cover this stuff for a living. I know this is an independent group. I know this isn't Brian Hester, but how many other people who have lives <laughs> know that don't know that and think, wow, that Brian Hester guy is really, really, you know, spiteful. I think it hurt him. And I think it had, I don't think that's the only thing that happened uh, at all. I don't think the race turned on that, but it sure as heck didn't help. And I think you see a lot of that when, I mean, a school board is the ultimate local community election. And you got some national group trying to stir up. Yeah, that's that didn't a, that, help. That should be a red flag for anybody. Yeah. You know, when a national group comes in on a school board race, uh, or even a city council race, I think, and so, uh, I, I think that should be a red flag for voters to say, "What's really going on here?" Mm -hmm. Well, uh, as as we said, we focused a lot on local races, and I think before we wrap up, it would uh, we should mention that it's not quite over uh, everywhere because <laughs> December sixth there'll be runoff elections. Uh, I believe early voting for those starts November twenty eighth, but. Uh, uh, municipal races, city government races uh, are still undecided. Um, I believe we have something like eight uh, different runoffs in, in Benton County alone. Uh, the, uh, the mo most specifically, uh, Mayor Bella Vista is going to a runoff. Uh, 
uh, several city council. There's a city council race in Rogers in Washington County. There's a city council race in Springdale that's going to run off. Uh, I know the Alma Mayor's race down in the River Valley is going to run off. So, uh, so folks uh, uh, who are who are in those uh, areas uh, uh, who still have some work to do from an election standpoint needs to. Uh, we'll have all the information about that those elections at our website nwavote.com or nwaonline.com. So we're not quite finished, but we're almost finished with the uh, with the midterm elections in in 2022. Gentlemen, anything that we haven't talked about you uh, think would be uh, uh, pertinent to our reader, our listeners today? I think it, I was intrigued. Just jumping back to the jail issue in Washington County, I was intrigued in our newspaper this morning that uh, uh, the the J, uh, the uh, county judge elect Patrick Deacons mm-hmm. um, said that. Uh, you know, going to have to be keep looking for new solutions. And one of his that he discussed was uh, a getting, taking a serious look at a regional jail. And uh, I, 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 I kind of chuckle at that because uh, the current county judge, when he <laughs> ran for office, he talked about a regional jail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, after he took office, uh, you know, we've heard very little to nothing about that. And I I think that's because it, it is just so difficult to get different jurisdictions together to um, to cooperate on those sorts of things. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, the new county judge can uh, can uh, make some headway on that. Uh, it, it, it's not a popular subject uh, among jurisdictions. Uh, so uh, uh, it might, you know, it, it might be good to collaborate on something along those lines because everybody needs jail space. But... Uh, but I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I think we should mention over in Madison County uh, next door, uh, there, were, there, was a, there was a jail construction issue on the ballot that passed. Uh, and Madison County hadn't had its own jail for a number of years because their old jail was out of compliance and they couldn't keep anybody there. And, uh, and for a while they were bringing their, their inmates to Washington County until Washington County got so full and said, no, you're going to have to take them someplace else. They've been spending thousands of dollars in Madison County hauling their inmates to other counties across the state. So, so um, you know, they did pass a construction uh, uh, tax to build a new jail in Madison County. However, uh, the voters there defeated the, the tax that would have paid for the maintenance and upkeep of the jail. So, so their county government's going to have some challenges about how to, how to staff and fund and maintain the new jail that they plan to build. Well, you know, Madison County, you talk about, I mean, they were they were sending their inmates to places where it would take a couple of of, uh, oh. of their sheriff's office staff for a whole day yeah. to tr- transport people, yeah. and uh, and that's less protection for Madison County. Yeah, that's and I I, th- I think that that's what really kind of resonated with residents. They they finally saw the yeah. the uh, the impact of of having no jail, uh, but uh, yeah, how do you how do you build a jail and then not have money to operate it, I, they're going to have to find that someplace. Uh, it'll be a significant ca- challenge for the county government and the Quorum Court in Madison County. Doug, any, th- any other thoughts? Uh, just want to say, you know, we talked about about Northwest Arkansas gaining seats in the legislature and all of those seats going to the Republicans. The, the gerrymandering of uh, Ms. Godfrey's district, which you mentioned earlier in this, gets all the... Megan Godfrey, she was the Democrat. Uh, house. The only Democrat living outside the city limits of Fayetteville yeah. <laughs> in the Northwest Arkansas delegation. 
And, you know, people may object to me using that word, but hey, the practical effect is she was cut out of her district. Okay. But the other thing that didn't get as much attention during a redistricting is it became very obvious that, that no Republican incumbents around Fayetteville, no Republican districts, wanted any part of Fayetteville, <laughs> okay, if they could possibly avoid it. Uh, Dave Whitaker, uh, which we mentioned just a minute ago, as the ultimate ex ex example, uh, he gained, uh, well, he gained parts of Fayetteville, and uh, there was no longer any unincorporated parts of Washington County in his district. That helped him survive, frankly. Robin Lundstrom, over uh, in the Republican state representative over in Elm Springs, got a little bit of Fayetteville, but not 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 much. And yeah, uh, when when you write when you draw lines that make safe Republican districts, you make safe Democratic districts too. And that's what happened. That's what happened in Washington County. All right. Well, I want to thank uh, my two guests today on Know the News, uh, Doug Thompson, our politics reporter for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Greg Harton, our editorial page editor. Thanks for coming on today and talking about the uh, recently completed uh, midterm elections, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Be sure to look for Doug Thompson's story this weekend on the new uh, reconstituted Northwest Arkansas delegation to the state legislature. It'll be in Sunday's edition of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette and the River Valley Democrat Gazette. We've got lots of other great content coming your way this weekend, so let's talk about those stories for a moment. Plans are in the works to construct in Bentonville the first outdoor pickleball courts. Mike Jones will have the details. Two companies have invested more than a million dollars in new electric scooters and e-bikes for use in Fayetteville. It appears usage of the rentable rides are way up. Check out Stacy Ryburn's update. A documentary film crew spent part of last week in Fort Smith visiting homeless shelters and encampments in preparation for a film on the subject. Monica Brick talked to the filmmakers about their project. Thomas Sicente will tell us all about Fort Smith's Regional Art Museum's preparations to celebrate its 75th anniversary. The football Razorbacks take on LSU Saturday, and we'll have all the coverage of that game you need at wholehogsports.com. Don't forget to get all of your high school football playoff coverage at nwaonline.com Saturday morning. All of this content and much, much more is available to our subscribers at our website and on our smartphone and tablet apps. If you don't want to miss out, you can subscribe too. Just go to our website, nwaonline.com, or you can call us at 479-684-5509. Again, that is 479-684-5509. Know the News is a weekly podcast brought to you by the newsroom of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette and the River Valley Democrat Gazette. And we'll be back next Friday with a new edition. And until then, I'm your host, Rusty Turner, saying so long.